in your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts uh, chapter 13. Um, one of the great honors that I get to do is lead the eldership team. And I love sitting in a room, listening to the dream of God that God puts in the heart of our team. And uh, then I get the honor of being able to share uh, that particular thing with the church, the vision, and those things. And, and uh, they charge me uh, as, you know, the, the lead elder to, to, to present the vision of the Lord to us as a church in such a way that we can grab a hold of it and um, commit ourselves to it. And one thing that I really appreciate that, one thing that I really appreciate about the eldership team is that in everything that we feel the Lord speaks to us, None of those men want to leave the room without faith being added into it. And so, like, the dream of God is always bigger than who we are, so we'll always have to trust God to do it. And if it's not, we don't leave the room. That's not big enough. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I can remember being in the room being shocked at, at uh, presenting an idea, and, and some, one of the elders would be going, no, that's not, that's not enough. That's not big enough. We got to dream bigger. We have to move this way. We have to go this way. And just, I mean, my heart's just like, yes, uh, the room of faith. And uh, I see that every other Monday when the elders meet, uh, not just an elders meeting, but a room of faith and uh, commitment. Today, I want to do a very different kind of sermon, even though I'm going to share from the scripture to be very interactive because there's a lot of things uh, that as an eldership team, we want to share with you some good things. Um, and uh, inside of that, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to, to uh, give us the info um, that leads us to more faith. Amen? And part of that has to do with, with, our own, with our own faithfulness and commitment to the Lord as a church, as a ministry. Um, and all of that that God has given and, and anointed and put his hand in. So if you are anyway, if you're listening online, if you're here this morning, if you are anyway, I mean, I, I think right now at the last count, they told me there's uh, over 30 people around the world watching on Facebook Live at the moment. And, uh, you know, those are, those are great things that are happening, not to mention the locals that are taking place. So God is moving. A little bitty church in Centerville. There's a prophecy that was given to us a while back. And uh, uh, part and parcel of it came from David, um, and part and parcel came from uh, a man in uh, England, uh, uh, Phil Wilthew, uh, and those particular things, uh, very prophetic uh, gifting, who uh, Phil got me in a lot of trouble one day, uh, but that's okay. And uh, Doug and Mike will probably remember the meeting that followed that particular prophecy, uh, <laughs> which was all right. Uh, <clears throat> But it's all good. The prophecy was, be in Antioch. God has called Firm Foundation Ministries to be in Antioch. And as an eldership team, then we began to soak ourselves and pour ourselves into what that, what that meant. And this is years ago. And so to honor the prophetic word of the Lord in obedience, what is our responsibility to that? It's incredible to think about this. So today I'm going to present a lot of those things to you. As we go into 2020. Watch Acts chapter 13 verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch. Everybody say Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was called Niger. Uh, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. 
As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, uh, there's a lot of us who are on the Daniel fast now. A lot of you are pouring into those things. Uh, some other people are maybe doing some other fasting. Maybe not in particular like the Daniel fast, but it's, our, it's, it's the month of, of fasting at firm. So as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Everyone say the Lord calling. The Lord calling. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So Father, would you pray? Bless us this morning as we pray, as we push into your presence, as we read the word, uh, God, and receive it. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, um, in 1961, some of you were born then. Some of us were not. But what a blessing it is to say that to a congregation. There are many churches all over the world who, who have members that were not born after 1961. Come on. But what a blessing it is to say that this morning in our particular midst that we have people in our church who were born before 1961. And we have some people who were born after 1961. And the info I'm about to give you, some of you are so young that they don't even teach this to you in school anymore. In 1961, on May 5th, a man by the name of Alan Shepard, he climbed into a tiny little capsule that was attached to the top of a rocket. And he sat on a launching pad and a countdown began. The entire future of the United States of America's space program rested on that launching pad. And it rested on the fact that Alan Shepard, locked into a little bitty capsule, had to be successful in the endeavor. And May 5th, 1961, as he sat there, and he was launched from that launching pad into space, the United States became the leading nation into space. Our little bitty young country. Acts chapter 13. The church. Come on somebody. In Acts chapter 13. The church sat on the launching pad. And the success of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is based on their being successful. It's based on them committed to the mission. It's based on them being willing to be launched. Come on somebody. Into places no one had ever gone before. Into areas that couldn't fully be understood. Into all of these things. The gospel is in Acts chapter 13. The gospel is on the move. And from there the first foreign missionaries are sent out from the church. Now think about this, because what started in just the, the hearts of a few people is about to become global. Come on, church. The church is doing what the Lord had commanded them to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to what he says. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, 
and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. How is that possible? There are areas of the earth no man's ever visited. There are areas of the globe that we don't understand. How is it that in the hearts of just a few people that God could put this promise and say that the gospel would be on the move and it would begin to flow into a global mission? Now, if you, if you don't read your Bible, just a casual Bible reader, watch this. Acts chapter 1 through 7, it's powerful. The gospel fills the city of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8 through 12, the gospel begins to move into Judea and Samaria. Come on, church. And beginning in chapter 13. Come on, someone say it starts right here. I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up. Say it starts right here. In Acts chapter 13, the whole earth becomes the focus of the church. 1 through 7, come on, Jerusalem. 8 through 12, Judea, Samaria. 13 on the whole earth. The whole earth becomes the focus of the church. Now let me share this with you, and I'll put it up here because I want you to write it down. God has given a mandate to his church. Get the gospel out. God has given us a mandate, and the mandate doesn't, it, it doesn't just apply to churches who have more than 1,000 members. The mandate doesn't apply to just churches who have, who have multitudes of members. Oh, they're the big church. They have all the resources. They can do it. The mandate applies to the church. Whether the church has uh, three people in it or the church has 3,000 people in it. It applies to us get the gospel out. So how do we participate in it personally? How do we participate in it as a congregation and those things? Well, there, there are three initial ways. You can pray for missions. Great. We want you to do that. You can give to missions. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. You can do that. Come on. And you can go. You can go locally. Come on. You can go, go translocally. You can go globally. You can go. But the truth of the matter is a church that is full of the Spirit of God, a church that has a mandate and a calling from God should be doing all three. We should be doing all three with anointing. We should be doing all three with conviction. We should be doing all three with commitment. We should be doing all three. It's the mandate that God has given his church. Get the gospel out. And the truth of the matter is, most churches in the United States are struggling to get the gospel across the street from their building, much less into the world. Because most of what we do in the Western world Christianity is open up our doors and say, y'all come. That's never what the scripture mandated us to do. The scripture says go. It says go into the highways and the hedges and compel them, which is, is, is a word in the Greek which almost mandates that you handcuff them to yourself and bring them. Compel them. How many of you have ever been compelled? I remember my dad used to compel me. When I, I remember being a little boy, and I, my dad would tell me to do something, and I would say, I ain't doing it. My dad would compel me. We're going to see about that. I want you to think about this for a moment. Since 1961, 
Technology has helped mankind go further and deeper into space than our minds could have ever imagined. We know things about the cosmos now that we could have never known before. We know things now for sure based on science that the Bible wrote about in Psalms. When the Bible says that the stars declare the glory of the Lord like sing unto the Lord. The psalmist wrote that. We have recently discovered that every star in the cosmos puts off a sound wave. How did the psalmist know that? When we just discovered it. Come on. We've got probes that we've sent out that have just recently left our own solar system. And a bleach, well, I mean, things we cannot imagine. If you believe it, which my wife does not, that we landed on the moon. Then you, you can also maybe believe, if you believe we landed on the moon, that we're actually driving Volkswagen-sized rovers on planet Mars right now. Maybe she does not, but... My wife says, I, I, we landed on the moon, but I can't get a cell phone signal on Schimmel. It doesn't work for me. She's funny. She's... But think about what technology has done to us. As a matter of fact, there's more technology in what you have in your pocket right now than what Alan Shepard had when he strapped himself to a rocket and was launched into space. The computer processor in this phone is bigger than the computer processor that he strapped himself to and went into space. And today, think about it, the church, the church is in a position to go deeper than it's ever gone before, to do what it's never done before, to do what we could never think we could do, to believe that God himself would give us what we need as resources to be able to do what he's called us to do. The ch today, the church has a tremendous ability to make a global impact. Let me just tell you some things that we're doing. How many of you have ever not been at church, but you have participated in Facebook Live? Right, right now, we encourage you, every week we encourage you, share it, share it, share it, share it, share it. Share it at church, I don't care, right? Share it. Because you don't know who couldn't make it somewhere that might get encouraged by what you're sharing. Think about these things. And we're talking, our media team's talking, they've got ideas. God's given them dreams, and I'm like, we can do that? And they're like, yeah, no problem. The other night, uh, Mark Britton just did a little Facebook Live test. And everybody started chiming in. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Is this just a test? And we were trying to convince everybody that it's just a test. And everybody was starting to chime in and those type of things. Was very what we were doing was we're testing whether we can do a simulated Facebook Live broadcast. And here's what we're saying. Why we are missing the boat if there is not a firm foundation ministry broadcast on Facebook Live seven days a week. Do you know why? Because we've got teachings after teachings on subjects after subjects that God has given us. Some of y'all are happy about that. Some of y'all aren't. But what if every Sunday night you could say to your friends and family that, hey, Facebook Live sim uh, simulated broadcast is on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. And for the next 12 weeks, we're going to have uh, that marriage sermon series is going to be up. 
We can gather together and watch it together. Watch what God will do with it. We're going to have this teaching, this Bible study. It's up. It's simulated. It's going. Every, I said, we are missing. It's free. Do you remember when we used to, we used to have the radio station on Sunday mornings, the broadcast? The, the Three Rivers radio station told me personally that it's a secular radio station. I didn't want to be on Christian radio. I wanted to be on secular radio. You know why? Because I'm supposed to go to the lost. I, I preach enough to Christians here. A secular radio station would call us as a church and say it's the best produced program we have on our radio station. And during that 30 minutes on Sunday morning, it's our highest rated segment. On a secular radio station. Now, we paid a lot of money every week for that to happen. When the Lawrences decided to go full-time on the ministry field, because some of them were like, why did we stop doing that as an eldership team? We said, we have to invest in them. We need to take that money and give to them so that they can. So that's why we stopped doing the radio station, so we could give that money to the Lawrences. But here's the deal. With Facebook Live, we have a potential to meet more people than any radio station ever could. Amen? Because every time you see Facebook Live come up, you could just share it, and boom, I shared it, you shared it. All of a sudden, the world is seeing it. And it's free. Hello, somebody. Think about this. Matt and I have got this idea that we're calling Table Talk, that we're going to be doing. And uh, we're talking about Facebook Live with Table Talk. And so what we're going to do is, is, uh, as soon as we want to launch it out, but every week on a certain day at a certain time, Table Talk is going to go live. And we're going to have topics and subjects for 20, 25 minutes that we're going to talk about live that you can chime into and share that all over Facebook. Relevant topics. Come on. About what God is doing. And we're going to call that table talk, and it's coming out. I said it's coming out. So Facebook Live uh, simulated broadcast is coming out. Hello, somebody. Table talk is coming out soon. You better get ready. Because here's what I told the media team. If all this stuff is free and we have all the technological uh, knowledge and gifting to do it, we are missing the boat if we're not preaching the gospel seven days a week on Facebook. Because, listen, you will agree with me that the internet is, I mean, Facebook is the toilet of the internet. I want to own it. Why? Why can we not own it? Hello, somebody. When God has given us gift, God has given us resources. These are the things we want to do or relevant topics that lead people to a, a deeper walk in Christ are available at the click of a mouse where people can soak these things up and all those things. Listen, I'm telling you, pay attention. We're going to start using technology. 2020, you watch what happens. You watch what happens. And with discussion time, like, I don't know if you guys ever listen to our radio broadcast, but Matt is the world's greatest interviewer, and he would interview, and we would set those things up and, and those things. And so we're going to have this topic. We're going to sit down at one of these tables, and, and, and we're just going to let it be uh, very fluid, very organic, and we're just going to do it and let Matt do his thing, and, and we're going to talk about these things from marriage to parenting to, to finances to all these subjects that affect us on an everyday basis. Can't wait for table talk. Hello, somebody. Can you see it? I, I can see it. Table Talk, a production of Firm Foundation Ministry. I can see it. Where people's lives are touched and changed for information. 
See, here's what I need you to do. If you'll pay attention, if you'll watch what's happening here, you'll see that Paul used everything at his disposal to preach the gospel. When he spoke to crowds, I can see him. He, he, if he had a solo cup, he would have cut the bottom out of that thing to use it as a, come on, as a megaphone. I know people in our world use a red solo cup for other things. Paul would have used it for a megaphone. Maybe he would set them, people on the hill so they could hear his voice and those particular things, right? Like he would feel it. He would do all these things, right? And those, he would use his voice in order to carry however. If he'd had a sound system, he would have used it. I'm telling you right now, if Paul had had a bus, he would have filled it. He wouldn't sit back and watch why other groups drive by his area to reach the people God had called him to reach. Y'all not, y'all not here? There'd be no need for a church across town to drive by the people he was supposed to be picking up and bringing to church. This is why we started our own VBS program. How many, how many years now? 11? 12 years? When Doug and Nancy came to us as an eldership team, he, Doug literally walked in the room, and this is what he said to us as elders. He said, I am sick and tired of taking my son to somebody else's VBS program. 12 years ago, I remember that, and I went, oh boy. He said, we have the ability to do this. We have the ability to do it with excellence. We have the ability, amen, to to put on and and demonstrate something for a week, the gospel, and reach our community. God gave him a vision. All the elders says, let's do it. And 12 years later, listen, when we do it, I have 350 kids here every night preaching the gospel. 50 kids or so come to give their heart and life every year at the altar. Listen, that's what God does. Partnering with other churches in the area to put on BBSs so that we can all benefit and realize that everybody is, is sent to, to preach the gospel. How can we help you with your VBS? Four or five churches now partner to put on the VBS program during the summer to affect our whole area for Jesus. And it's so good. It takes 200 volunteers to put on our VBS production. 200 volunteers. They do it with excellence because God gave them a vision. This is why. And the vision came from what? Doug walking in and saying, I am sick and tired of taking our kids to somebody else's VBS. I'm sick and tired of somebody else preaching the message Firm Foundation Ministry is supposed to be preaching. I'm sick and tired of somebody else sending missionaries we're supposed to be sending. I'm sick and tired of other people planting churches that we're supposed to be planting. Y'all not hearing me this morning. See, I got some vision. Paul had excess, or if he, if he had, listen, can you imagine what would have happened if Paul had had access to Facebook Live? It is time for the church to be more than a building. It is time for us to be committed to say we're going to do more than just open our doors on Sunday morning and say, y'all come. Now, we're going to celebrate that because I like doing it. But that cannot be the emphasis of what we do. It's time for the church to be more than a building. We must affect not only those who are in our street, but those who are around the world. We must each individually take some global responsibility for what God has given us and the message he's given us. I'm going to say this, and you need to hear me with your good ear. Don't go away from here and misinterpret what Pastor Don's about to say. You need to hear me with your good ear. You probably need to pray about it and fast about it, but I believe that it is time for FFM to be famous for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I 
I said be famous for the gospel. Because there's a lot of churches that are famous and not for the gospel. Acts 13 lays it out before us. It's a simple plan. How to get the job done. It's right there. And I want to focus on, on this. Listen, not, I, I, not to mention the church universally. But I want to focus this morning on firm foundation ministries. Watch verse 1. And ch- now the church. That was in Antioch. That's a local church. Somebody say amen. And it was a small church. Compared to the church in Jerusalem, it was minimal. Now the church in Antioch, some small little out of the way church. Now the church in Jerusalem gets its name mentioned in Acts chapter 13. Why do I point that out to you? Because I want you to understand church is where mission is supposed to begin. Not the UN. Not the social work site. Not the government. Not the Red Cross. Church is where mission should begin. And I am thankful for the work of those organizations. Don't misinterpret me. But mission should begin in the local church. Somebody say amen. Let me show you for just a minute how we can impact our community in a very significant way. Are you ready? I'm going to invite two uh, amazing women of God uh, to the stage with me. Can I, Stacy, will you and Tiffany come? Come on. Come up here. Uh, Matt's going to bring a couple of mics, uh, and I want these these, uh, women to sit down here for just a minute, and uh, we're going to talk about something. You want this over here, Matt? All right, Matt, Matt, it's like the video. It matters. All right. Watch this. All right. <clears throat> so you guys sit right here, and uh, let's talk about this for just a minute. Now, uh, many of you might know Stacy is Miss Esther Wolf's uh, granddaughter, and she's more famous that her son hit the uh, buzzer-beating three-pointer here this past week for Centerville and uh, won the game. Yeah, way to, way to raise them right, right? So, Okay. Uh, so, uh, and many of you may or may not know Miss Tiffany. Now, uh, Miss Tiffany and her husband Rob have just taken on the lead uh, pastoral role in, in West Minden. Used to be West Minden Methodist, right? Come on, yep, yep. And um, uh, uh, through our relationship with West Minden and, and VBS, uh, we had a lot of workings when uh, West Minden was, was wrestling with the idea of, of do we leave the Methodist denomination and what do we do to become more community oriented and how do we become younger as a church and those type of things. There's nothing against the Methodist denomination. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about a people who had a vision for God and said, came to us as an eldership team and said, help us. Uh, so we were involved with them for a little bit and then Rob and, and Tiffany came and they've taken on the leadership there. We blessed them and they're going to do great work in that community and, and it's incredible. So here, here's, you say, how can we practically, everybody say practically, preach the gospel? Now, here's an idea that uh, they have illustrated called rooted, right? Now, this is an incredible function of a local church partnering together to do something that we should be doing to impact people's lives. How many, how, uh, 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 how many foster parents do we have in our church right now? We have Three or four families who are foster parents in our church, right? Uh, and they foster and those things. Tiffany has a huge heart uh, for the fostering community. Uh, if you don't know much about St. Joe County, uh, there's a lot of drugs. It's one of the biggest, I mean, there's a meth epidemic in our county and those type of things, and, which is 
why legalizing marijuana doesn't make any sense to Pastor Don. Uh, but anyway, uh, they have a, a great ministry towards fostering parents and those things. We're going to get to how uh, Stacy fits into this in just a minute. So tell us a little bit about what God's put in your heart, and you've decided to call this Rooted. You guys are partnering together. I want you to listen to this. Now go. So the idea of Rooted was birthed when we became foster parents nearly four years ago. And at that time, we took um, children from out of county because there was simply no homes in their county for them to be placed. And at that time, we started questioning the system and, and why, um, why there was such an epidemic of foster kids and such a crisis with not having enough foster parents. And so we started um, digging and asking questions. And through that, we started um, working closely with the Department of Health, Health and Human Services right here in Centerville. And through those inquisitive questions, we found out that there, um, there are some intimidations when you have, when you have a child um, entering the foster care system. Um, some basic needs are not being met immediately, which is actually a scary thing for prospective foster families. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I took a leap of faith and um, started praying about that, which you know, sure. when you pray and say, here I am, Lord, sometimes he answers you fairly quickly, and he did. So um, right now, my husband and I have four biological children. We've adopted two children last year, and we have a foster child in our home. So we have seven children. My husband just switched positions, and so he's... Hey, uh, Merlin, normally you have partners in crime here, but anyway. So... Um, taking on uh, a nonprofit organization that we know that the community will really latch on to was a leap of faith for us. We know that the Lord is in it. And so the idea of Rooted is to meet the basic needs immediately post-removal. And what that looks like is this. Instead of a child being taken from their home, which is in itself scary and traumatic, and being taken to the Department of Health and Human Services, which is typical, to be you know, entertained, fed, um, sometimes children are deliced right there in the public bathroom by workers. It's not really in their job description, but for care of the children, they try to meet those basic needs. And so what Rooted plans to do is open um, a transitional assistance program. And what that is, it's going to be a home. And the child, instead of going to the Department of Health and Human Services, sitting in shame with whatever clothes they have on, which may or may not be riddled with meth or other drugs, they'll go to a home setting where they'll be immediately fed. We are partner partnering with a clothing closet that will clothe them. They'll get their own suitcase. They'll get their own laundry basket, their own bedding, toiletries. And what Rooted's hope is, is to kind of make a new kind of epidemic. We're hoping this is going to be a chain reaction where other counties are starting to realize that the system right now needs to be changed. Right now, we're already asking our local workers to take on so many cases that they are overworked. And then on top of that, they're meeting basic needs that's, that's difficult. And so instead, we're actually standing in the gap. You can call us a gap ministry as well. And what that looks like is us partnering with pre-existing ministries, which brings us to Stacy, and what we've done is instead of reinventing the wheel, when we spoke with Lansing about the need and how we could be of assistance, they said, we would really like you to couple with all the good things that are already happening in your community. And so um, we asked them for a few names, and um, they were very willing to connect us with those people. And so we have never been told no. I like it. Which you know, yeah. for a woman walking in faith with her family of seven kids and her newly hired pastoral husband, 
it's a big deal for the church to never say no. And so uh, when I was thinking about the needs of a child, we had clothing, but that clothing closet couldn't store shoes and boots. And so I started saying, Lord, you're just going to have to provide. I'm clueless. And all of a sudden, I remembered Stacy. There was a Stacy lady that just like shows up with shoes for kids in St. Joe County. And so I I called a friend and I said, hey, that's Stacy's Kicks for Kids lady. Hey, can you give me her phone number? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she sent me Stacy's phone number and I was like, oh, I know her. She's already (laughs) in my phone contacts list. And actually, Stacy's daughter goes to school with my daughter and they're in the same class. Nancy is one of their teachers, I think, right? Yeah, you help? Okay. So I called Stacy. And uh, do you want to share? Yeah, about tell what us about Kicks for Kids secretly? just quick. Now, Stacy is a, a great public speaker and she loves doing <laughs> it. So. Uh, so, I started Kicks for Kids in 2016, and since then, I'm estimating, but we've um, been able to. Got to eat the oh. microphone. Is it on? We are. Yep, there you go. I okay. don't. <laughs> Good. I'm just estimating, but I think um, since then, we've been able to give. Around 600 pairs of shoes. Come on. Kids around the- Come on. One person. Just 600. One person. 600 shoes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so new shoes. New shoes. Not Goodwill, worn out, out of the closet. New shoes. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm excited to see what we can do to help the foster kids as well. Um, but that's- All right. So now let me let me just put this to us in a way. All right. So. When a child gets removed from a home, horrible thing, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a reality in the world we live in. They go to foster parents who, in the middle of the night, and they go with the clothes that they have. Sometimes uh, sometimes they don't even have shoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they have a suitcase, it could be full of bed bugs. Mm -hmm. uh, The child could have lice. All, All these things that are happening, they're just the clothes that they have on. So now, you guys have a clothing provision network. So they came to me and they said, Pastor, I'm going to talk to you about this idea. And so my thought was, what can Firm Foundation Ministries specifically do to help you guys with what God has put in your heart? How can we partner uh, and help facilitate what you're doing there? In particular, you said... Well, I said, I would love you for you to work with my liaison, which is Mrs. Stacy. And I said, I would love for you to provide new shoes for our county, for any child who's entering the foster care system. And what that looks like was this. I've just been educated on this. Just in 2019, we got a a foster child, and he had underdeveloped feet, which, call me naive, but I had never even considered a child's feet being underdeveloped. But for various reasons, his neglect uh, led to underdeveloped arches, um, severely bowed legs. He just had a lot of problems with um, what the podiatrist just said, you know, that's just the title of it, is underdeveloped feet due to circumstances and neglect. So um, I'm actually petitioning your church to bring in new shoes for the fear that if we put old shoes on a child, then you're maybe actually causing more harm than good. So we would love for you to do a shoe drive. Okay. And um, I'm not sure what that would look like for you guys. Maybe I, I having I know what it Pastor looks like. Don has it. So <laughs> I, I don't know, have I know to know. Like. This is the beauty of being. I know what it looks like. Just talking to the church and letting them take over. Yeah. All right. 600 shoes. Yep. Where do you store all these shoes? Um, <laughs> so normally at no, no. the end. Where, where have you been storing? Don't store them in my office. <laughs> Yeah, I'll bring them to you. Um, they've been in my basement at times. Right now I have a whole bunch down there. But um, 
I normally at the beginning of the school year I do a big fundraiser through the summer and then at the beginning of the school year go buy a bunch of shoes and I deliver with your own money some of my own money, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. do a fundraiser mm -hmm. as well um, but I deliver around 10 schools each get about 10 pairs and then throughout the school me, year we also do let books. me ask you guys raise your hand in this church right now you you gave over 600 shoes and you've been doing this for years mm -hmm. four years yeah four years Raise your hand right now if you've ever heard the name Stacy Schwank delivering shoes. <laughs> you have a few, a few of you. But you see, this is this yeah. is what the servant of God does. Yeah. Behind the scenes, I just want to serve. I mean, I love that. Because <laughs> when she was sitting in my office, Stacy, how long we've we known each other? <laughs> a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> and I was like, how come I did not know you did this? <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know why you didn't know it, but I just was doing my thing, and we just deliver shoes. And she she just delivered shoes to uh, a classmate who mm -hmm. was like, "Mrs. Wagley, look at my shoe, it's talking." And I was like, "Hey, buddy, your sole is falling off of your shoe there." And so I called Stacy. I left the school building. I said, "I got a kid in a size nine. What can you get for me?" Because I was on my way to a meeting, and by I think the next day, she had delivered shoes to that child and. You know, it's not a big, um, right. a big show, but she's just has love a it. servant's heart. I love it. Thank you. I, I love it. This is practical gospel. All right, now, think about this for a minute, okay? Um, we have a place to store shoes if we get a bunch of them? We do. Where is it? So, actually, we have a building that's been donated to us just here in Centerville. Right, right down here. Yep. It's right down the road, and um, that's what I've petitioned Stacy to kind of help me maybe figure out a way to organize them. We're going to probably need some shelving and things like that. Right, we well, we got space. guys who can build shelves? Mm -hmm. I thought so. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So now let me, let, just to, to, I got other things I want to get to. That, not that this isn't important, but I think this is, is key. Mm -hmm. You guys remember some time ago when the youth group did the backpacks for the homeless, mm -hmm. and we put out these things to bring in shampoo, soap, and those type of things, and then we filled those backpacks and those type of things. Here, here's, here's my challenge. Is this all right? Do I go... Okay, here's my challenge to us as a church. You want to preach the gospel practically? For the next three Sundays, starting next Sunday, I'm going to ask you to bring shoes and put on this altar. And we're not going to move them for three weeks. I want to fill this altar with shoes. Hello, somebody. Y'all, brand new shoes. Because, and we're not storing them in her basement, and we're not storing them in my office. Because someone's been kind enough to say we've got space. Here's what I'm also going to petition the church to do. Right? It, maybe you don't want to go to the store and buy a lice kit because you're worried about what people will think. But you can do that on Amazon and no one will ever know. It will be delivered to your house. I'm going to ask you to bring those kits and leave them on the altar. And therefore, when a child shows up to a home and needs shoes... Or maybe that foster parent needs a life kit for them or those type of things. They're not spending their own money and those type, that burden's not happening on them. With one phone call, there's a resource. Boom. They show up with the things that are needed. All because Firm Foundation Ministry said we're going to preach the gospel practically. Everybody doing something. Yes, sir, Jason. Great. So that's a really good question. He's asking Actually, what have... sizes do we look for? 
So um, I have two of my board members here. Um, one is Jade Klingler, and she is just Open um, Revolution Health there in Sturgis. And another one is Crystal Hughes, who actually is an employee of the Department of Health and Human Services. And as we walk through the house that we're going to be opening, actually in mid-February, that's why I'm so glad to be speaking in front of you today, because I know you're a, a church of action. But a lot of boys come through. And so we're not limiting just to boys. It's zero through adult sizes. So you kind of can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, there's these things specifically that are called sock shoes. Um, they have rubber soles that are bendable. Those are actually ideal for younger children, just in case they have some of those podiatry issues. And um, so those are ideal. I didn't know that until 2019 myself. But so, but anyways, you can't really go wrong with a shoe. We're going to need boots. We're going to need yeah. sandals. Sometimes you're walking down the clearance aisle of a yep. shoe. You see shoes for three, four, five dollars a pair, whatever. What we're saying to you is we don't care. Mm -hmm. If you find it, buy it, bring it, it will get used. Yeah. And uh, I'm not talking about going to Goodwill. Okay, we're not doing that, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to bring in some shoes. I'm not asking you to spend $100 on a pair of shoes either, right? Now, if God motivates you to say, is there a child with feet needs that need that, and I want to I pay 100 bucks for the shoes that they need. That's fine. We can facilitate that, too. But what I'm saying is everybody doing a little bit over the next three weeks, uh, this should not be an issue. Do you, do you think so? Okay. Dustin? I'm sure we'll take it. Yeah, gift certificates not, are welcome. We're not um, turning down money. No. In fact, I have a flyer. This is just the very first step of Rooted. As yeah, we yeah. sat and talked to the Department of Health and Human Services, we have phases that we're going to be I growing this program. We're looking for land to build so we can do resource centers, counseling centers. We also want to do a life skills building for kids that are aging out. This is just literally the very first baby step so in this idea. So there's a lot to yeah. grow into, right. right? Like this vision's like the feet of a chicken. You got to grow into it and that kind of thing. It's bigger than what it's needed when it's born, the vision, but that's a God thing because we need God to do it. I appreciate what God has deposited in the heart of these two women of God and, and those things, and I appreciate and am honored that they would come to us as a church and say, uh, God has, has asked us to see if you guys would love to partner with us in this, and for me, it's an emphatic amen, and it's easy to do, and uh, you know we can be your biggest cheerleader in it. You have some flyers that if people want to see you after church and want those information, I encourage them to do that. Uh, Stacy, we really appreciate you you're, you're being you know, up here on stage. This is really out of her comfort zone. Uh, but uh, th this, is, this is the hand of the Lord. And I believe that we can make a difference. And, and if we were to interview some of our foster parents that are in the house right now, and we were to say, would this have been a blessing to you in the middle of the night when a child showed up at your house? I've asked them. Every one of them would have said, you have no idea. So the long-term goal, too, the immediate goal is to try to recruit foster parents by taking out some of the fear of, of what the child, the condition Correct. the child would be coming into. So this pamphlet also gives you a resource. Like if you're interested, there's Perfect. several people you can contact. Or if you have other resources, you know, Great. if you know of a ministry that could be impactful to a child's immediate need, please reach out. Okay, so everything has a beginning. Yes. And what we're saying is at the beginning, right now, we can do a, a shoe, a lice, and a bed bug drive. Does that sound all right? And I'm asking you over the next three Sundays to come leave them on the altar. And uh, we will make sure it gets facilitated. At the end of the three weeks, we're going to pray over them and watch what God will do with it. Does that sound like a mission we can get behind? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Come on, give them another hand in the Lord, right? Very good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
can leave those two there because I've got other people to talk to here in just a minute. Um, that sounds great, all right? Now, uh, exciting thing, right? Practically preaching the gospel, not just Pastor Don ranting, right? Because see, here's what happens. The church moving like this. Remember, it was the church that confirmed Saul and Barnabas as God sent them out. It was the church that commissioned them, and it's the church that's doing this, not the government. This is what we're doing. See, we see within the first few words... Of, of what we've read here, the spreading of the gospel mission begins in the local church. Somebody say amen. Now let me say this to you, Firm Foundation Ministries. God has made the church responsible for calling and sending. I say to you all the time, right? Like, we got to win them to send them. So don't come up here and talk to me about Pastor Don just wants a large church. No, I know that God is going to send people out of this place like he did Antioch over and over and over again. And we got to continue to replenish that. So winning, discipling, and sending, that's our motto. We win the lost, we disciple the saved, and we send the equipped. Come on, church. That's a constant will. That is a constant will. I would rather be known as the, the area's quickest sending church than the area's biggest or fastest growing church. Because, see, I think they're one and the same, right? I want to say this to us, Firm Foundation Ministries, we have a responsibility to send. We have a responsibility to send. Right now, think about this. At this stage in our ministry, we have two full-time families on the mission field. Come on, come on. We've sent several, and they've returned, right? Uh, we've done all kinds of, uh, of short-term missions. This year alone, in the year 2020, we are going to have three short-term mission trips. On, yes, three. Think about it. In just a few weeks, next week, we're going to pray because y'all are, are here next week or are you leaving? The adult group. You're here this Sunday? This next coming Sunday, yes. Uh, and then we'll pray for that team. The adult group is going to the DR on a mission. And then in February, our high school group is going back down to the DR on a mission trip. And then in June, we were talking with the, the Lemas last night, uh, the Jones Carpenters, Aquinos, uh, last night, uh, about what it looks like to go on the short trip trip back down to Brazil to encourage uh, what's going on in Brazil in June, and those type of things. Now, let me encourage you this because sometimes out of sight, out of mind. Do you realize that January the 4th was not only a finally moment for Pastor Don, but it's a finally moment for you. January 4th, five years ago, you planted out a church that's doing incredible work in Kalamazoo right now. Five years later. They have their own eldership team. They have their own senior pastor. They're walking in the vision of Firm Foundation Ministries, and they're trying to put that DNA out into Kalamazoo. It's been five years. Since we planted out a church. And there were people who told us that it couldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. There were people who said don't do it. And five years. There were people who said it wouldn't last. And five years later. Hello somebody. I hear Toby Keith's song. How you like me now. Just last year as an eldership team in the church. We supported a, a church plant and startup in Indiana. Foundation Community Church. Started by Toby and Aaron Schwartz, who you guys know very, very well. Ten years, Toby was a disciple of this eldership team. Come on. 
And it's an incredible thing, right? We supported it. It wasn't a church plant from us, but they came to us and said, hey, will you help us? Will you lead it? And we had constant meetings and talking about how to do it and those type of things. We, years ago, we had this idea about school of ministry. It was a great idea. How do we equip people? How do we make sure that people are doctrinally sound? And who's the best person to lead that thing? And so we invited David and Elaine to come and said, we got this idea of school of ministry. Help us to teach doctrinally what the scripture looks like to run through our beliefs as Firm Foundation Ministries so that our church knows what we believe. And they graciously accepted that. Now here we are starting our third year into uh, School of Ministry. Come on, church. Come on, church. It's an incredible thing. If you've ever been confused about the book of Revelation, right? Uh, David's going to sit down. He's going to teach this thing out. We encourage you to be a part of it. Yeah, it costs a little bit. Why? Because we've got to help support the Campbells because they're coming to live with us during this time. Yeah, and, and so if you, that's a school. What do we believe? Why are we afraid of this book? The best person I know to teach it is this man. And I've got a vision because of our connection to Elam uh, uh, Bible Institute and College in New York where Breno and Hannah and, and some of our kids have gone and those type of things. They are now providing uh, for churches who would like to a, a ministry called Nation to Nation. And through Nation to Nation, as a church, we can come in and participate uh, uh, for the set amount of time that this, te- this, this school happens. It's all online. It's done in-house in the local church. And we can provide you the opportunity to earn your own Bible degree. Certified, ready to go. We can do it right here through Nation to Nation. Somebody say amen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to cost, but listen, you're like me. I cannot stop work and go to Bible college. But I, I, you know, if you're like me, I would love to be better equipped and those type of things. And, and this is it. It's going to happen. Nation to nation is going to happen. Nation to nation school is going to happen here. We're going to offer anybody who wants it that you're going to have to work. You're going to have to go to school. You're going to have to come here to the meetings. You have to do your homework. All those things. It's just like going to college, only you're not there. You're doing it at the local church. And now the local church is being an equipping station. We're obeying the scripture where it says, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's going to happen. We helped plant a church in Brazil some years ago where the gospel had never been preached before. Uh, A pastor in Brazil said, will you go to me to Bonfim? No other preachers will go there. He said, it's so full of demons. It's so full of the demonic activity. Demonic activity just happens. There's a place there where people crawl on their knees for months to get to, to worship idols in a building. And I said, this cannot be. And he's like, this, it happens. The gospel, there's no church there. The gospel's never been preached there. And I said, I looked at, at, at Pastor Ignacio and I said, I want to go. How far is it? He said, oh, it's about 45 minutes. I said, I want to go. And he began to cry right there. Eddie and Ann can testify to this. He, tears. He said, you would go with me to that town? I was like, absolutely. Who wouldn't? He said, no other preachers want to go there because of the demonic activity that happens there. Everyone is terrified. And I was like, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I ain't afraid of no ghost. Let's go. <laughs> and sure enough, we went to that place. I'm going to take Lowell Troyer there in June, hopefully. And we went to that place. And as you go into the city, there's a huge statue standing. It's the most demonic thing you've ever seen. It greets you. And when you get into that city, there's a building owned by a guy. And on the front wall of that building is idol after idol after idol after idol. And people come and make sacrifices to all these idols. And he looked at me and he said, 
I want a church here. And I said, how much would it cost us to build a church in this community? And he gave us a number. Do you know that it was that year during VBS that our kids during VBS raised the money to build that church in Bonfim? Our kids! I went back there several years later and, 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 and the streets were full of people who were coming to hear the gospel. Kids were loving church and Jesus is being preached in that area. And it's incredible and it's shaking the gates of hell in that area. I can't wait to get back down there. You don't realize that our kids paid the money to plant that church. Our kids did that. It's unbelievable what's happening there. We did that church. It's, it's so good. And let me tell you something. We ain't done yet. We're going to send more full-time missionaries. Y'all get ready. See, there's a reason why we haven't let Claire McMillan go to any of these third world countries yet. And Bo, Bo has literally said she won't ever come home. But in their heart, Bo and Claire, they would love to go and run an orphanage. Do you realize that that means Bo would have to let go of his successful business? Come on. But see, in, in their mind, they're like, this is what God has spoken to us. Foreign Foundation Ministries, would you like, would you love to be a part of an orphanage in a third world country run by faithful Christian people? <laughs> we ain't done. But Claire can't go just yet. Uh, we're going to plant more churches. Come on, church. Last year, we started an internship. Come here, Tyler. Um, and, and I would just give this mic to Tyler real quick. He can, he can share. Uh, I loved it. It was in my heart. Gosh, so much life in it to me. Uh, I want you to understand, this young man may be quiet, but there's the depth of Jesus Christ inside of him that blows my mind every time we sit down and talk. We work through some things. I mean, talk to us just for a minute, because we only got a few minutes left, about... Like, I mean, what does that do for you? You've already been on the mission field and plus doing global, uh, um, uh, the school there, Global Bridge and those type of things and, and finished up, you're back home. But we did this internship for 10 weeks uh, where you and I and Breno and Colton spent some time together every day, Monday through Thursday. And then they did media stuff in the afternoon. It was fun. But I enjoyed our time together. Like, tell me just something God spoke to you. What that, how that, what that did for you? Um, something that it did for me like you said, I had the awesome opportunity opportunity to be um, in the Caribbean for two years, and uh, but then coming home and just kind of serving my church was something that was completely different than anything I've ever done. And spending every day with him and Pastor Rod and just hearing their wisdom and their heart for you guys and for for us as a church was it just blessed me so much. Um, did the elders meet because they came into our elders meetings too? Did it scare you? Well, yeah, at first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because cause we pray at the beginning. Yeah. And then we go around, and when it gets to me, all the good stuff has already been prayed. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I pray? I Somebody took my prayer. Yeah. yeah. It was scary, though, but do you, nice guys. When you think about the internship, do you think that there's value to it to other young men and women who are coming up in the Lord uh, as far as their relationship with God and their attitude towards the local church? For sure. I mean, this past summer... Like I said, spending time with them was like touching to me, but also spending time with 
Brennan and Colton, two other great young men of God, I mean, they, just the, everything that was said during those meetings, it was just a lot of wisdom I never heard before, and they're, I mean, they're both Bible scholars, and obviously Pastor Don, it was just like I was learning something new every single day, it was awesome. He's being humble because he added so much depth to it, too, uh, it's incredible. Uh, the, the things that happen. So uh, we're going to continue this internship. As a matter of fact, you saw the budget and there's money. There's a line item offered in, in there uh, for our own. Now, if we bring interns in from outside of our church, they're going to have to pay their own way. But if, I, if we are raising up our own young men and women to carry on the ministry, I wanted to be able to offer them something versus them working in the summer because it's a full-time thing, right? Like we oh, were, yeah. it, it's not, you didn't have any other time to do anything else because there's so much that was going on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're, we're, the, the advisory council was so good to us and gave us as much as they could, but it's not quite enough, so we're going to raise some more funds in order to continue our internship as far as paid in-house things. Elam Bible College might send us some interns, and all we have to do is provide housing and, and food while they're here and those type of things. But uh, in-house, we want to pay and support those who are carrying on our legacy and our DNA and those particular things. So uh, uh, this young man has been incredible. I, not only watching what God, but I've, been, I've enjoyed his friendship. Uh, it's, it's been incredible. And, and I love that about uh, getting to know them and those type of things. And so, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I want you all to know Easter is coming. And Tyler is preaching our sunrise service on Easter. So. Look at Ryan. Yes, she's so relieved that it's not him. Uh, uh, So he's going to do great. I encourage you to be here at at 7 a.m. and listen to Tyler share what God has put in his heart, especially. Now, we'll work together on these things. Thanks, bud. God bless, man. Hey, give him a hand, right? We're going to do more short-term youth groups, more short-term adult ministry, more internships, more raising up of men and women. Next year, we're actually providing the opportunity for you to go to the Holy Land. Come on, someone. And we've never been in a place to do that before. I know it's expensive, but let me tell you something. When you think about investing in your own spiritual life and and those type of things, when I think about the $4,500 it's going to take me to go to Israel for 14 days and, and walk where Jesus walked and stood what he stood, I'm just telling you right now, that is the cheapest Thing to actually be able to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane, I would pay it all day long. So uh, we're providing those opportunities. And we're going to do that more. It's not the last time we're going to go and those type of things. Let me ask you this as we come to this area. And Mike and I got something else we want to share in just a second. And we're going to close. Which church is God using in Acts chapter 13? It wasn't the huge church in Jerusalem where it all started. No, 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 no. Notice the church with the worldwide mission is Antioch, not Jerusalem. The early days of Christianity, Jerusalem was the center of operation. But now Antioch has somehow become the launching pad for what God wants to do into the depths of planet Earth. Many historians and Bible scholars say this. They say the church at Jerusalem had become limited in its focus. They lost their compassion for the lost. And I want this church to hear me and you hear me well because I'll never apologize for this as long as God lets me stand in the pulpit. God 
always moves on when a church loses its compassion for the lost. God will move on. Y'all better hear me well. There are those of us sitting here this morning in this church listening right now or on the future broadcast this very moment and all you can do is think about yourself. All you can say is, Lord, bless me. We need to understand that the very thing that could solve our personal problems begin living for something and someone else other than ourselves. Antioch was a much smaller church than Jerusalem, but God decided to use it because it was a church with a heart for others. It was a church that had committed to its sin. Let me show you something else that you may not know because I don't want to discourage you. I want to prove my point. The spreading of the gospel began in Jerusalem, but they became narrow in their focus, so God could, they couldn't see past Jerusalem, so God moved on. He went to Antioch, and for many years, many years Antioch moved, but eventually they lost their burden for the lost too. And God moved on from Antioch, and our Bible tells us he went to Ephesus. And this church was experiencing tremendous power of God in Ephesus. I mean, God was just moving in such powerful way. And we read in Revelation chapter 2 that Jesus actually came to the point of rebuking them because they lost their ability to love. And God moved on from them too. Come on. He moved the headquarters of the church to Constantinople until Christianity became dry and dead there. And then God moved on. Next, he moved to Rome. And the ritual in Rome replaced relationship. And ceremony and sacraments took the place of salvation. And you know what? God moved on. Then Germany. Come on. A great revival happened. But skepticism crept in. And, and, and uh, rationalism took the place of soul winning and missionary work. And you know what? God moved on. And he moved into England. Amen. And my, I took my wife to see it in the back part of, of, of Durham Cathedral. Uh, first, David first took me to that place. Cuthbert is buried. The man who brought Christianity to England. He's buried in the back side of that thing. And people come from all over to see the man who brought Christianity to England. And they're England. And, and God was moving in England in such a powerful way. But eventually the church died. And spiritual laziness spread like a plague. And you know what? God moved on. And then America came on the scene. Oh, I'm getting happy. For many years, we have been the center of world outreach. America. We send more missionaries. We feed more poor. We clothe. Come on. Come on, church. We have been the center. We have been the center of what God is doing. And the world outreach is flowing from America. Don't you listen to the news. Don't you listen to none of those people who would lie to you. And believe that our belief and our faith as Christians isn't effective and is irrelevant. We are impacting world. When you show up to someone who hadn't had any food. And they find out that a church in the United States of America sent them food. Do you understand the relevance of Christianity and faith of America? Don't you listen to these politicians who tell you that it's not relevant today. Turn them off. Vote them out. Don't put up with any of them. Bunch of nonsense. Condemn us for what? Listen, Jesus said clothe the naked. And I'm condemned for doing it because I'm a Christian. 
Do you understand, church, that America came on the scene and for many years we've been a center of world outreach, a Christian nation which has sent out tens of thousands of missionaries from our shore. I remember a famous, very famous politician and all his boldness and brash stood up in front of the world and bragged and said that America is no longer a Christian nation. He's a lie. It's a lie from the pits of hell and you better believe who we are. I know who we are. There's a question. There's a question that begs to be asked. We see our nation falling apart spiritually. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? God's getting ready to move on. Has the fire of evangelism gone out in our land and in our churches because of worldliness and self-righteousness and comfort? Comfort. It's too deep. The roads were too icy to come to church. Hello, somebody. That preacher wants me to give a dime on every dollar God puts in my hand. That preacher, can you believe the audacity of him asking me to give a dime for every dollar God gives me? He's mean. No, I'm radical to believe that if I obey God, he'll honor me. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Everybody get ready. God is not obligated to continue using America for his world outreach. Hear me, church. Nor is he obligated to use FFM. Unless we stay true to the scriptures, no matter the cost. Nick King said to me before the church service this morning, we were celebrating some good news that I'm about to share with you. He said, you know what? All we're asking is that people be faithful. And watch what God does. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Unless we remain firm in the mission God has given us, unless we continue to sacrifice for the sake of the lost, don't tell me. Don't tell me that it's too radical to buy shoes and put on the altar for three weeks. Don't, don't do that. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush you about your $10 coffee every morning. I might even hurt your feelings. That you're so addicted. Come on. You're so addicted to Starbucks coffee. Oh, whatever their name is. That you're willing to pay 10 bucks for a cup of coffee. Uh, listen, I'm going to make you a cup of coffee. You give me $10 every morning. <laughs> um, I promise you, we're going to buy some shoes, Stacy and Tiffany. They give me $10 for coffee. We're going to buy shoes. Don't. God will move on. God will move on. We may be okay with sitting on a back pew, but if God finds someone else to get his gospel out, you better believe it. But see, here's what I believe. Here's who I am. Here's what I refuse, amen, to turn my head away from. I believe the FFM is on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. 
People are bringing others to fill this place. And our Facebook Live blows up with people from other nations watching it. I believe, Bev, we come to hear the word of God. Those who started this work all those years ago, uh, you know, many of us in this building, we weren't even here then, but there are some of them who were. Listen, they were unashamed. They were bold. They didn't care. They started this work. Their witness was loud. No matter what the cost, they were faithful even when it was inconvenient. They gave when it hurt so we could sit here today and we could enjoy what they paid for. Come here, Mike. I, I, you ain't got nothing to do but go eat lunch. So hang on. Come here, Mike. Now let, me, let, let me and Mike just... Yeah, I don't know if you want to sit down or not. I don't know if I can. Let's just talk about 2019, the budget. Now let me just throw some ideas out there and some thought process to you here uh, for just a minute, right? Let, let me go over this. Now, if, if, am I correct in saying that last year... Our little bitty church gave $50,000 in over-budget giving. That is correct. What was the budget for last year? Uh, yes, that is about $478,000. So the budget last year was $478,000 just to operate, just to keep the door open. And because of your faithfulness, what the advisory council is telling the eldership team is that this little bitty church gave $50,000 above that. Correct, yeah. You didn't clap. Yeah. Now, that's 10.5%. Double-digit percentage above budget giving. Now, I've sat with a lot of churches all over the world, sitting with leadership teams, helping them work through finances, sharing with them how Firm Foundation Ministries does their finances and all those particular things, uh, telling them and setting them all up. I can tell you that in all the years that if I have ever walked apostolically with any church that I've sat with churches, I have never encountered a double-digit percentage above giving in a calendar year. Never has I ever seen it. Amen. And you people did it. That's incredible. 10.5% above budget giving. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Because last year, if I'm not mistaken, we had $33,000 of unexpected expenses. Right. 33 weren't expecting. And I can tell you for a while, the, the AC uh, was warning, okay, how are we going to meet all these needs, you know? But there's a, an element in faith. I, I just need to tell you, you have excellent, excellent, gifted yes. members of AC. Yes. 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 Who, who care about firm and they care about, you know, managing what you give them, the resources, and doing it in a God, you know, honoring way. And so, yeah, we, uh, we wondered at times how we were going to meet those needs and whether there's going to be funds to do that. But then, as always, we were praying. I'm sure the elders are praying, but God is faithful. You know, we stepped out in faith, and he met those needs over and above what we could expect. All right. Now, let me, let me just put this in perspective. Now, that was budgeted giving general income. Right, correct. That wasn't everything extra that was given in the building. No designation, so everything that was given an extra in the building fund. Right. That wasn't, that's not including money that's privately given in support of the Lawrence family and Sidney Wired. 
correct. Yeah. That's not included in that. I need yeah, you to understand true. this. Uh, that 50000 extra giving isn't including the 50000 that came in in the Easter offering last year. Correct. No, 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 no. no. So now, if I'm, if I'm correct, I'm thinking we're over $100,000 yeah. yeah. in giving above budget. Yes, way over. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That puts us at 20%. Right. At least. Right. See how it goes in. If you add all of that in. This is unbelievable. Because of your faithfulness. Do you understand what that gives us as an eldership team? Faith to believe for 2020 when we put a budget in front of you. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it does. Now, what else should we share from that standpoint? Just, uh, just continue to be faithful. As we're faithful, God has always been faithful. You know, you can't outgive God. And he's shown it time and time again. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding me? Our little bitty church. Our little bitty church. Look what God is doing. It's unbelievable when we think about that. And here's the deal. Nationwide, the percentage of Christians who tithe is 2%. Somewhere in between two and three. So of all the people who name the name of Christ and say they're believers, only 2% of those people, of all the people in America who name the name of Christ, are committed to being tithers. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Uh-huh. Look what we... Now, based on what we... We don't go into people's finances. I'm not asking you to turn in a W-2 at the end of the year to see if you tithe. I know some denominations do. If you don't, your membership gets rejected. We don't do that. Right? right? But we figure that ours runs about four. Oh, actually higher than oh, that. Oh, come on. Probably See? That's why yeah, he's on stage. Probably six or seven percent, you know, tithe. Not six, you know, six or seven percent they tithe. Instead of ten percent they give, you know. Right. At least the six or seven percent. percent. Yeah. So imagine, imagine what would happen in this little bitty church if everybody who names the name of Christ and called themselves a family member at Firm Foundation Ministries was committed to saying 10 cents of every dollar God gives me goes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I promise you, Firm Foundation Ministries, I will never allow another fundraiser in this building. Because we wouldn't need it. Sydney wouldn't have to stand up here and beg you to take a block on her board. That's all it would take. Would that happen? And, and we feel great. like that our, our annual giving then could be close to a million or more. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Is that right? It could be, yeah. Could be. I mean, we're over, you know, 550000 for 2020, so, yeah. And that's just the general offering. That's there again. That's not all the other offerings and designations. You add those in, and you're probably close to seven, seven fifty. So yeah, it's realistic. Are, are you kidding me? It's that simple. That simple. God's I love God. I love Firm Foundation Ministries, not just because I'm paid to be the preacher, <laughs> because I've never seen such a house full of faith. Right. Yeah. And exciting good things. That's what it is. Give, give, I, this advisory council. Listen, you have no idea the times they wrestle with us elders over it too. And I love it because they're committed to stewarding every penny that you give. Every penny you give is accounted for. And they don't rest until it is. And they'll fuss about it. And they're willing to hear the crazy ideas of the eldership team. Right? But see, I made them a promise. 
we, we could build that over there, we borrow $1.5 million. Right? And the next building we build, we're going to build with cash. Y'all should say amen. We're going to build with cash. And I borrow no more money. Because we don't have to. Because of what I just showed you. We're not borrowing any more money. Because we don't have to. Hello, somebody. We should not ask the bank to finance our vision. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Thank you. He's so good. Now, this brings me to the Easter offering. You ready? No, you're not. We started our Easter offering in 2005. First time we ever took up one. $11,187 came in. Blew me away. Like, I mean, I, I did a jig on stage. Not unusual anymore, but it was unusual then. But the truth of the matter, over the years that we've done it, right, there are the monies that come in for our Easter offering. That has been a total of 544000 over half a million dollars. That's above budget. Has been given. Now this year, guess what's coming? Easter. And we've always said that God gave his very best at Easter. We're going to come and give our very best towards what we are building for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. And there are times when we used it for debt reduction because we were trying to pay off this building so we could build that building. There are times we've done all kinds. Last year you were faithful. We built, we're, we're built and we're still building uh, 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 the playground out there, uh, the, the cement set to probably be poured in April, and the, the beach volleyballs going in to, to create this community atmosphere and things back there. You were faithful to give to that, and these things are happening. Justin Gantz, will you come real quickly? Where's Justin Gantz? Come up here real quickly. Here is what we'd love to do this year with the Easter offering. <laughs> I've always said this, that I believe... Uh, now, our highest Easter offering, and this was cash in hand, this wasn't pledges, this was cash in hand, was almost $64,000 on one Sunday morning. Now, I have always said that I'm going to continue to have faith that one year, that Easter offering is going to be $100,000. I've said it, I'm going to say it again. Uh, a couple of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you are going, <laughs> This year, with our Easter offering, Here's what the elders and the advisory council would like to do. Are you ready? We'd like to pave the parking lot. You clap now. <laughs> Justin has been in charge of trying to get us some quotes. Now, up until now, uh, because of the weather and things like that, it, you know, it takes some time to book quotes, and we're anticipating that we'll get a quote for what it will take to pave the whole parking lot and a quote of what it will take to pay, to pay just the front and then just the back. Is that correct? Okay. Correct. All right. So we're anticipating those quotes, general numbers will come in when? Uh, less than two weeks, yeah. Okay. We should have some quotes back this week. So what's the benefit of paving the parking lot? Oh, everybody walks in here with dirty feet. Nasty shoes and it rains. We don't have to deal with that no more. Plus, as ushers, some of y'all get a little crazy when you park. So we can put actual lines. Yeah. 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 
That'd be nice too. Plus, you know, we don't have any maintenance with the gravel anymore. You know, we don't have to worry as much when we plow snow. We're not pushing rocks up in the grass all the time. Those people who clean that up will really appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah. Most of them's inmates yeah. over there. But, Plus, you um, know, if, <laughs> if 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 the Catholic Church can pave their parking lot, why can't we? You know, just you know? I'm so, just saying. So, all right. Now let me let me just let's just brace yourself. Now our highest amount was 2016, and and I believe that was the year we were trying to pay off debt, that kind of thing. I'll have to go back to look at history. It's almost sixty-four thousand dollars. Now, it real. Oh, no, that was the year we were getting our hair shaved, wasn't it? Head and it, was, it was Erica Tetzloff that shaved my head over there. That was, now you don't, what are you going to do now? It's gone already, so. Uh, all right. Now, you're anticipating that paving the parking lot is going to be larger than 64? Absolutely. They clapped. Yeah, they did. They, they did. did. they didn't clap this time, though. <laughs> this is what we want to do. Hello, somebody. This is what we want to do this year. And so we're encouraging you that in a couple of weeks, we should have some general numbers. We can't, you know, numbers are numbers and that kind of thing. If you build, you know, that's just general and those type of things. But we want, we want to put some things out there in faith to you to say, we believe that actually doing that is going to equip us better, give us more tools and, and help us and, and altogether just uh, do what we want to do for the kingdom of God and those type of things. How to pave in a parking lot, help us. It, it, you know, it's incredible what's doing. Our, our valet parkers and those type of things, it just adds to what we do as service to the community and those type of things. And it's time. Can you say it's time? time. Anything else you want to add with that? Not really. All right. Easter offering this year is going to go towards paving the parking lot. Let's give God praise for that. In the beginning, Firm Foundation Ministries was willing to do anything no matter how insignificant it was, I hear stories about Firm Foundation Ministries going up to the Shell Station and just pumping gas for people. You did. Just pumping gas. You don't have to get out of your car. We'll pump it for you. There were times when Firm Foundation Ministries was willing to help in the children's ministry. And let me say this to you. I believe that our youth group shames us every week. They shame us. Let me tell you how. Because every week when they should be in here listening to the word, being discipled and being equipped, because adults won't get involved in children's ministry, these youth group are scheduled to be back there to take care of our kids. You are to give the youth group a hand. And now you are to commit to saying that should never happen again. They're our future, not our babysitters. Oh, Pastor Don is preaching today. <laughs> Firm Foundation Ministries cannot wait for someone else to do what God has called us to do. My prayer is that God will keep America. My prayer is that God will keep FFM as always part of his plan. Even, even, even if our nation goes to pot. There are three kinds of people in the world, and I believe there are three kinds of churches that are the same thing. There are those who, who make things happen, there are those who watch things happen, and those are, there are those who wonder what happened. I prefer this church to be the first. The same can be said about churches 
I want to be the one that said of, they make things happen. Come on. Some churches get on fire for God about mission, outreach. They impact the world. They make a huge difference. Then their church, they know God is moving and God is working. They go around bragging about. There, some who go around bragging about being part of some kind of movement. But God's not doing anything in their midst. They're not seeing souls saved. They're just sitting around watching other churches make it happen. They've lost sight of, of, of the lost, and they completely have no clue. They're declining in their status, and they become a social club. Come on, church. Here's my question to Firm Foundation of this ministry right now. Here's my question to us this morning. Which one are we? Which one are we? Come here, Amy. Which one are we? I want to be a part of church that's making things happen. How about you? I said, I want to be a part of a church that's making things happen. How about you? How about you? Today, FFM has a choice. Hmm. We can either get moving or we can get out of God's way. We can either do what God's called us to do or let someone else do what God's called us to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the choice is ours. I'm going to challenge you as a family member of this church to think about what I've said to you today. In a sense that as an eldership team and as an advisory council that advises the elders on the, on the finances of the church and the other missions of the church, we want to say to you, thank you. And we applaud you. Thank you for being faithful. We ain't done. We ain't done. But when I hear news from our advisory council that meetings like they had this past week, they were like, that's the best of, it's the best meeting we've had in, in years because of the hope that God is instilling in it and what God is doing. If God continues to push an apostolic calling into our life, I don't, I don't care about definition or what, I just care about being obedient. Do you understand? Will you stand with me in this place? I just care about being obedient. I am, I am not making any apologies that this sermon went long today. Not doing it. Not doing it. And I shouldn't have to. I should be excited. Look what God is doing, man. It's so good. And I cannot wait. I can't wait for next week when my spiritual father shows up and I can look at him and say, look what God has done. Look what God has done. We ain't done yet. Amen? We ain't done yet. Because God is so good. Are you encouraged today? Are you encouraged today? You should be. You should be. I hit you with some heavies. You all right? I hit Tyler with the heaviest of all of us. I think he's up for the challenge. And I also think this church is up for the challenge. The next three weeks bring some shoes. If you can't come on Sunday and you want to bring shoes, you drop them off. I'll make sure they get on this altar and we're going to leave them here. If you want to order some lice boxes or things and bed bugs, you bring them. I don't care what it looks like on the video. I don't care. Because we're preaching the gospel. You know what I'm saying? And if people want to bark at me about it, I'll just say, how are you preaching the gospel?
We'll be all right. David, will you come and pray for us? Uh, I don't even know how to pray right now. I really don't. I just have this picture of a spiritual bomb going off. And it's, as it goes off, uh, it upsets everybody's apple cart, but in a good way. And there's all sorts of flashes of light of different colors that are going off in all these different directions, which represents the creative work of the Holy Spirit being released through this congregation. And the force of the blast will send some of you to your next door neighbor that you've been scared to talk to or the person that you work with. And it will send some of you maybe over to the next county. It might send somebody else to the other side of the world. And I feel that uh, it's time for many of you to say, uh, in, in a phrase that I heard Pastor Art Good say years ago, God can use little old me. And you think you're little old you, and therefore God can't use you, but you're the very person that God would use. And I think that's what we've been hearing this morning, that God can use the insignificant and God loves to use the insignificant from a little town, a little village in Michigan to spread the gospel uh, across the neighborhood, across the county, across the state, across the world. doesn't make any difference because God owns every piece of real estate yeah, in every nation. Yeah, Jesus. And I feel the challenge is, you know, God is doing incredible things uh, around the world today. Uh, and God will do them regardless of whether we want to be part of it or not. But wouldn't you rather be part of it? Man. So, Lord Jesus, uh, all that Don has sowed by way of seed this morning, and he's just been scattering it uh, around this room and into the realm of electronics where those people are watching and people who will watch. Lord, I pray that you'd pour rain down like mm -hmm. we had the last couple days to drench the seed. Mm -hmm. And the life will sprout up wherever the seed lands. Jesus. doesn't matter whether it's uh, in a trailer factory yeah, or uh, in a next-door neighbor's house or in a school or in a place where children are coming being rescued out of dysfunctional homes and being yeah, placed into a safe place like we heard this morning or in nations of the world where you are doing extraordinary things that only you know about. Yeah, and so, Lord, please, we want to be part of that. We mm. don't want to miss. We want to be part of the greatest end times harvest yeah, that the world has ever seen before the Lord returns. Yeah, and so, Lord, I pray that you bless this church, mm. you bless the people, uh, including financially, I pray, for $100,000 this yeah, year Jesus. in the Easter offering. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, I pray that Justin would be doing a dance around mm. his new parking lot. <laughs> and uh, Lord Jesus, you can do it Amen. because you're the God of more than enough. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Turn around, tell someone God's moving. Get in.
Bring them.